Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Welcome to the Keeper Cup Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. A lot of news around baseball today. The big news, a trade as Dan Vogelbach was traded from Pittsburgh to New York to take over as the Mets DH. Vogelbach is a low average guy, but offers some pop with an acceptable on-base percentage. He's a bit of an overrated fantasy player, in my opinion, is that I don't think the 2019 30 home run season he put up is coming back. And without that, he's a fantasy first baseman who hurts you in average, offers no speed, has only decent power and has never broken 80 runs or RBI in a season. The runs in RBI probably improve in the best lineup he's ever been part of, but still not a guy I'm super excited about, except maybe in deeper leagues. The return for Pittsburgh was Colin Holderman, a 26-year-old relief pitcher who made his debut this year and has thrown 17 and two-thirds innings with decent numbers. 2.04 ERA looks real good, but a 262 BAPIP and a 0% home run per fly ball rate suggests that that won't last. Real numbers probably end up closer to an ERA of three. He was a starter in the minors until 2021, but his K rate really popped big time with the move to the pen, so I suspect he'll stick there. Another big piece of news, the Marlins got a CT scan on Jazz Chisholm's back and found a stress fracture. Timeline for recovery is about six weeks, although it's unclear to me if that's six weeks until he's back on the field for Miami or six weeks until he can start rehab. Either way, he is done until basically early September, if not later. Joey Wendell, who led off and played second base, may be locked in that spot for a while. He was three for five on Friday. Some guys scratched from their lineups on Friday. This one's sort of painful. Julio Rodriguez, a late scratch for the Mariners with wrist soreness. With the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, he really hasn't had the time off a lot of other players have, so hopefully this is just a night off kind of thing, but boy, is that something to watch. Wrist soreness and a guy who is such a talented hitter. Really, really hate to see that. J.D. Martinez scratched from the Red Sox lineup with back spasms. Keep an eye on lineups today to see if he's back. He was probably happy to sit that one out, though. The Brewers made a couple of moves Friday, the first being activating Tyrone Taylor from the IL. Taylor played center field for the Brewers game against the Rockies. He hit ninth and was one for five in that one with three strikeouts. Not a great return to the lineup. The second move was agreeing on a contract with the recently released Jake McGee. Not a bad addition for the Brewers, but he'll be far, far away from the ninth inning. Mixed news for fans of Royals prospects. Edward Olivares hit the IL with a left quad strain. That seems like something that could keep him out a bit. But that made room for the Royals to recall Nick Prado and slot him into the lineup at first base. He was hitting seventh and went two for four with a pair of doubles. He remains the highest WRC plus on the team this year. Again, it's in a small sample for him, but still, he's been really good, and if he keeps this up, he's going to be a fixture in the lineup, and your window to add him will close quickly. 
The Mariners activated Kyle Lewis from the IL. They optioned Justin Upton to AAA to make room. Upton had the option to leave. He did. He is now a free agent. He has been pretty bad in 57 plate appearances this year and really hasn't been good at all since 2018 or so. Gotta wonder if maybe this is the end, though I suspect he'll catch on somewhere, maybe just briefly. Lewis, meanwhile, had his 480 career plate appearances going into Friday night's game with a 258, 342, 457 slash line, 24 home runs and seven stolen bases. I think expecting that pace moving forward might be slightly optimistic, but the power is legit and he can take a walk, so there is real value there. On Friday, he was hitting sixth in the lineup, was 0 for 3 as the right fielder. He did have a walk in that one, though. The Rockies activated Antonio Sensatella from the IL to start in Milwaukee. This was a start I suggested might be an acceptable stream if you were desperate. Nah, not so great. Four strikeouts and a walk in five innings pitch isn't bad, but he gave up three runs and seven hits. No quality starter win. He did give up a couple of home runs. Not super great for a road start for a Colorado pitcher. Socks of all colors busy making moves on Friday. As expected, Chris Sale placed on the IL. Brian Bayo called up to replace him in the rotation. Despite a rocky first go, he's a talented pitcher who will likely have a useful MLB career. Just needs to figure out a couple things. I'm not rushing to add him now because I don't think he's quite ready yet. But if he starts to turn things around, he'll be very quickly gobbled up by fantasy teams. The White Sox activated Yasmani Grandal. He was 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts hitting fifth and catching. He did have one hard hit ball. And for him, hard hits and walks are really the driving force. And while he's walked a decent amount this year, his hard hit rate is lower than any season since 2018 with the Dodgers. Given how rough the catcher position is, I still think you're better off betting on him to break out, especially in OBP leagues. But catchers don't always age well, and he is 32. The problem for the Sox is that Grandal was replaced on the IL with Luis Robert, who has ongoing issues with dizziness and lightheadedness. That's pretty concerning and hard to predict. Could be back in the minimum, could be a lot longer. Ian Kennedy activated off the IL and back in the D-backs pen. He pitched the eighth of a 10-run game, went one, two, three with a couple of strikeouts. He could be in line for holds and maybe next in line for saves if something happens with Melanson. A couple updates from some stars who are rehabbing. The Mets announced that Jacob deGrom will need another rehab start, which means he will not face the Yankees next week. If all goes well, he should be back the first week of August. Fernando Tatis Jr. says he's been going 95 to 100% in the cage. And he's been a little bit surprised, in his words, at how good he feels after he swings. That's a great sign, but still a ways away for him. As if all those updates from earlier in the day weren't enough, there were a couple of injuries that happened that that matter here. Tyler Stevenson, who had just come back, was pulled before the Reds even got out of the top of the first. A foul tip caught him in the shoulder. A couple pitches later, he tried to feel the tapper in front of the plate, and when he picked it up and tried to make the throw, he crumpled in pain. Turns out he broke his clavicle. Timeline is TBD, but that is not going to be a short absence for a guy who's been great, but just snake bitten. Awful luck for that guy this year. Later in the evening, Michael King came out in the seventh for the Yankees, got a couple of outs, came back for the eighth inning, got the first out there, and then felt something throwing a pitch and was clearly in pain. Turns out he fractured his elbow. The Yankees have already suggested he is done for the year. That is a killer hit for that bullpen and a big hit to any fantasy managers, especially those in holds leagues. King had been doing some great stuff. On to the non-injury related on-field action. And the only place to start Friday is with the Jays who put up 28 runs. 28 against the Red Sox. 
Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had six hits. Ramel Tapia had an inside-the-park grand slam and drove in six runs. Teoscar Hernandez scored four runs. They got home runs from Matt Chapman. Tapia's inside-the-park job, a home run from Teoscar. Two home runs from Danny Jansen. No starter on the Jays had fewer than two hits. And they even got a double and a run from a guy off the bench. That was Kavan Biggio. Just a nuts game. By the way, the Red Sox, they only scored five runs, but they got four home runs of their own. Two from Christian Vasquez, who's emerging as a great fantasy catcher, and one each from Rob Refsnyder and Jackie Bradley Jr. Tyler Naquin had a couple doubles, scored a couple runs, and drove in four for the Reds. He's a really good depth outfield piece when he's healthy and in the lineup. Seiya Suzuki getting hot again, hit his seventh home run, was four for five, added a walk, scored twice, drove in two. Kyle Schwarber in this one hit the first pitch of the game for his 30th home run, and then the Cubs proceeded to score 15 straight as everything went south for Kyle Gibson and the Phils. Ian Happ also had four hits in that game. The Yankees got three home runs, and while it seems like the story might be Aaron Judge hitting two, that's kind of the boring news because he just does that sometimes. But the third home run came off the bat of Joey Gallo. He was one for three with a home run, a strikeout, and a walk because he's Joey Gallo, and that's what Joey Gallo does. Think he still has a big power surge in him. It's going to come at some point, and maybe it's starting now. Charlie Blackman, two for six with a home run, two runs, three RBIs, and a 13-inning affair in Milwaukee. He's bounced back, and while he's not the star he once was, he's been pretty good this year. Quetzal Marte hasn't been what we'd hoped he'd be, but he has improved lately and was two for four on Friday with a triple, a home run, two runs, and four RBI. Carson Kelly led off for the Diamondbacks in that one. He was three for four with a double, another guy who is stepping up. I was really high on Kelly before the season. He's been very good lately. Jose Altuve sat out the All-Star game, but had a leadoff home run on Friday going three for five. The Astros also got home runs from Jordan Alvarez and Martin Maldonado as they ended the Mariners' win streak. Other home runs around the game. I suggested the Cardinals might have a big day in Cincinnati, and they did get the 21st home run from Paul Goldschmidt, but the Reds were the ones who had a bunch. Donovan Solano hit his second, Joey Votto his seventh, and Jonathan India his fifth. India's been heating up lately, and don't forget how good he can be. Wilson Contreras hit number 13. Nelson Velasquez hit two for the Cubs, his third and fourth. Derek Hall hit his fifth for the Phillies. Jason DeLay of the Pirates hit his first major league home run. Ivisel Garcia hit his seventh home run in the season. Anthony Santander hit his 16th. Trent Grisham is up to 10. Eric Hosmer up to seven. I still think Grisham, by the way, is going to get back to being a star. He just needs to show that power again. Matt Olson hit his 18th, Orlando Arcia his 5th, and Marcelo Zuna his 18th for Atlanta. Jonathan Villar hit number 3 on the year. Andreas Jimenez is up to 11. Willie Adamas hit number 20. Andrew McCutcheon is at 10. Number 14 for Hunter Renfro and number 13 for Dalton Varsho. Nathaniel Lowe hit his 13th as well. Ramon Laureano up to number 10. Seth Brown has 12 and Ty France has 12 and Cody Bellinger has 12. Bellinger's 12th was a grand slam, but he has still been awful. As for stolen bases, not a ton on Friday. Nicky Lopez stole his seventh. He's been playing more lately, and any trades the Royals make can only help his cause. Bobby Witt Jr. had his 18th. Stephen Kwan had three singles and stole his sixth base. Tim Anderson had a couple of hits and stole his 12th. Yuli Gurriel stole his fourth. On to the mound. Adam Wainwright, one of a few pitchers who had a real rough go, giving up seven earned runs on five hits three walks and five and a third inning in Cincinnati. He struck out two. Wainwright always feels a bit on edge to me because of that low strikeout rate. He doesn't really have great swing and miss stuff, but I don't expect this to happen very often. Weird one for Justin Steele. He gave up that first pitch homer to Schwarber, but didn't give up any other runs. He also walked four and struck out only two and five innings pitched. Only allowed four hits. 
Just five whiffs and an 11% CSW really feels like he dodged a bullet here. I expect he'll be better in terms of what he does next time out, but maybe with worse results. One thing to watch is Velo was down 1.2 miles per hour on his four-seamer and almost one mile per hour on his slider. Braxton Garrett continues to just shine. Six innings pitch, one run and two hits, striking out seven and walking one. That home run to delay was his only blemish. Ten whiffs is not great, but 34% CSW is pretty solid. All 10 whiffs were on his slider, which was magical. Yeah, it was an easy matchup, but he has been cruising lately, and I am buying in for deeper leagues and where I can use him as a matchup play. Yu Darvish was great. Seven innings pitched, allowed a run on four hits. He struck out nine and walked just one. That's a really nice start against a tough Mets lineup. Max Scherzer opposite him was almost as dominant, but he gave up two runs on five hits over six innings with eight strikeouts and a walk, and he didn't get any help from his pen in what ended up being a 4-1 loss for the Mets. Nathan Uvalde started against the Jays. I already told you they scored 28 runs, and I mean, he gave up less than a third of their runs, so that's good, right? But nine earned runs over two and two-thirds, yikes. Kevin Gaussman had some homer issues, as mentioned, for the Jays. He ended up giving up three runs and seven hits over five innings pitch, thanks to allowing two home runs, but he also had 10 strikeouts and no walks, so he continues to be very effective. Shohei Otani was Shohei through six, and then got into trouble in the seventh, allowing six runs that inning, including a couple home runs and getting just one out. He finished with 11 strikeouts and one walk, but man, that seventh inning... Everything under the hood looked good, though, so no long-term concerns for me. Charlie Morton was great opposite him, going six shutout with seven strikeouts, three walks, and two hits. Nice bounce back after a rough end of the first half for him against the Mets. Drew Rasmussen with a pretty typical Drew Rasmussen start. Only went five innings, but only allowed one earned run. Seven hits, four strikeouts, one walk. He'll help. He's a good, useful pitcher, but don't expect many quality starts. Don't expect a whole lot of innings, although he did get the win on Friday. Lucas Giolito got lit up by the Guardians. A lot of guys with rough starts to the second half between Uvalde and Otani and Wainwright, Kyle Gibson, and now Giolito. Six runs on nine hits with just two strikeouts and three innings pitched. Cal Contral got the win for the Guardians going five, giving up two runs and six hits with four strikeouts and a walk. He's not elite, but a solid, reliable starting pitcher for decent results. Corbin Burns was fine. Five innings pitched, six hits, two walks, two earned runs, five strikeouts. It's not bad, but Against the Rockies outside of Coors, I'm sure you were expecting more. I was. Zach Allen gave you more, going seven, two-hit, zero-walk shutout innings with seven strikeouts, getting his fifth win on the year. Yeah, it was the Nats, but still, he is primed for a big second half. Jose Urquidy cooled off the J-Rodless Mariners, giving up just one run and four hits through six. He only had three strikeouts and walked a couple, but a solid start nonetheless. Friday night ended with Logan Webb and Tyler Anderson going pitch for pitch, kind of. Webb gave up just one earned run over six innings. Anderson the same, although Anderson's run was unearned. But Anderson had six strikeouts and two walks. Webb had two strikeouts and four walks. Both of these guys are trustworthy moving forward, though Webb cannot afford to keep giving up four walks. Looking at the bullpens, while the Yankees lost Michael King, he did get one last hold in front of Clay Holmes, who went one and two-thirds innings with three strikeouts and a hit for his 17th save. Taylor Rogers has been a little up and down lately, but he went one, two, three, no Ks, but that's okay. He got his 27th save, and it's nice to see him have a clean inning to start the second half. Nick Martinez was in front of him for the eighth and a hold. No issues for him, and he's becoming more and more of a factor in that bullpen. 
Josh Hader, another guy who's really struggled lately. He worked the ninth in a tie game. That was the one that eventually went 13. He had a walk but struck out too. Good to see him have a solid start to the second half as well. Lou Trevino has struggled, and he struggled again in the ninth, giving up two runs on three hits with a walk and a strikeout. That did earn him a hold as he got pulled before he lost the lead. A.J. Puck came on, got the final out. That was his first save. He's an interesting name to watch if Trevino keeps getting hit. I really thought Rafael Montero would get the next shot for Houston as he closed out his game and Hector Neris failed to close his. However, Neris was the one who came on up three on Friday. He gave up a double but got a strikeout and picked up his first save without allowing a run. Either way, Presley should be back soon. And lastly, it was a non-save situation, but Craig Kimbrell pitched a scoreless ninth. Did allow a couple hits, so not exactly a clean inning. Didn't have any strikeouts, but no runs. Held a four-run lead, so he is still the man in LA. Before we take a look at today's action, let's take a look at today's weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, looking at today, we don't have any major areas of rain or thunderstorms expected. The one area that you'll have to keep an eye on is a National League uh, matchup between the Pirates and the Marlins. That's going to take place in Pittsburgh. There'll be some showers and thunderstorms around. It'll be really warm, very humid. Um, But Besides that, we should be good to go. So I don't see this as a major postponement threat. So again, I think we're looking pretty good. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for a pitcher to stream, I hate that it's in Cincinnati, but Steven Matz is coming back from the IL, and he has pitched better this year than his ERA would suggest. I think he could have a good start and a good second half at that. In terms of hitters, the Royals, especially with Prado up now, they've got Pascantino, Melendez, They've got some talent, and I think they're going to get to Luis Patino. The Diamondbacks could also put up another big day. They put up 10 on Friday. I don't think they'll quite get to 10 on Saturday, but they could have a nice big day facing Anibal Sanchez. As for what I am watching and paying attention to on Saturday, I am really curious what Blake Snell does. I think he could have a strong second half, and a nice start here against the Mets would be a great way to kick it off. Make sure to go check out the Batters Box, SP Roundup, and Reliever Ranks. And enjoy the start of your weekend. Scott Chu will be with you tomorrow morning. I'll be back on Monday. Have a good one. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.